Blog Talk Radio. It's June 11, 2017. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and Dave Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please, remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Having said that, we certainly hope everyone enjoyed uh, the holiday weekend last weekend and you were able to stay safe two weekends ago, actually. Uh, uh, So Team Working for Living is saddened by the terrorist attacks in the U.K. this past weekend. Let us observe a moment of silence for those victims. Thank you. Announcements. Uh, First, some good news. Month-over-month visitors to the Working for a Living website are up 70%. Thank you to each of you who have visited our site. Obviously, we are grateful to each and every one of you, and be sure to tell your friends about us. Announcement number two, remember that Team Working for a Living supports Medicare for everyone. Number three, On May 30th, 2017, Missouri Governor Eric Greitens, R, signed legislation banning local governments from giving preferential treatment to union contractors on public construction projects. Sharing the stage with him when he signed this was Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. Those R's mean that they're uh, of the... That's their political party, R. Number four, in a related announcement, Working for a Living continues to stand shoulder to shoulder with the Michigan building trades against the newly introduced legislation to repeal Michigan prevailing wage laws. Number five, on June 2nd, 2017, Communication Workers of America announced that they had reached a tentative agreement with AT&T West and AT, or DirecTV West covering 17,000 members. Congratulations on that. I understand that it, uh, recent, uh, recently they've actually got AT&T East as well, and that's some uh, less than 500 members out there. Announcement uh, uh, number six, on Monday, June 5th, it, it doesn't it seem like it's happening almost every day here, folks? Almost every day and daily sometimes more than once a a day. You'll see that in a minute. On Monday, June 5th, 2017, a disgruntled former employee opened fire inside a Florida awning manufacturer and killing five workers there. Team working for a living's thoughts and prayers go out to the friends and family of the deceased. Let's have a moment of silence for them as well. Thank you. Announcement number seven, also on Monday, June 5th, the NLRB ruled that employers' prohibition of recording devices in the workplace to record conversations, events, etc., without company authorization was unlawful under the National Labor Relations Act, citing Section 7 of the NLRA, National Labor Relations Act, which protects employees engaging in concerted activity for mutual aid and protection. In other words, you can record things without the consent of your employer, according to the NLRB ruling on, May, on June 5th. 
announcement number eight. Also on Monday, June 5th, a unanimous Supreme Court ruling which judges, yeah, that's unanimous, which the judges sided with a three church affiliated nonprofit hospital systems being sued for underfunding their employee pension plans. Pension plans are required to be fully funded and insured under federal law. Well, we know that's a joke. You ought to read our agreements and the 91% funding of the GM pension plan. But Congress carved out narrow exemptions for churches and religious organizations. Thus, these affected religion, religious pension plans are not required to be fully funded, uh, to fully fund their pensions. I think that speaks for itself, and I think it's pretty deplorable. Somebody worked for you their whole life, and you tell them you have a pension plan for them, and then you're going to not fund it for them. Or have, we don't know what they've taken out of it over the years. Uh, announcement number nine. On June 6th, next day, right, attorneys for the case in the matter of Janice versus Ask Me, that's a union, large union, one of the largest in the United States, filed for review by the Supreme Court to hear their case. More on that later in the show. Uh, announcement number 11. Also on June 6th, the General Motors shareholder meeting uh, uh, heard the ICORN proposal to split the stock into two classes of stock, and that failed by 91%. Obviously, this was a very bad proposal for all GM workers and retirees, as so many benefit plans are triggered off the General Motors stock. Thus, his plan could have could further ruin the remuneration for UAW GM members. Announcement number seven. By the way, we're pleased to see that he's, he was defeated by 91%. Announcement number 11. On June 7th, uh, it was the 80th anniversary of the general strike in Lansing, Michigan. More on that later in the show from a direct descendant of two of the participants. You'll be interested to hear that report. Announcement number 12, Teamsters Local 814 in Nassau and Suffolk Counties, New York, remain on strike against Claire Rose, a major distributor of Belgium-based Anheuser-Busch beverage, uh, beverage, which owns uh, brands such as Budweiser, Bud Light, uh, Blue Point, as well as Heineken Beer. Good unionists may do what they want to support the striking Budweiser drivers, and you know what I'm talking about. We don't have to go into that. We wanted to go further, but we decided against that, just so, so everybody understands. Announcement number 13, Team Working for a Living continues to oppose the Working Families Flexibility Act. And announcement number 14, Team Working for a Living announces a new platform plank. That is... Vacation time will be taken at the privilege of the member and not the company, as each member tests their seniority for such vacation time. Okay, on to email. We had two emails. Uh, one, thank you for being a ray of hope for change, SK in Missouri. Well, thank you uh, for that kind 
uh, phrase and that nice response to, to everything we're doing. Uh, we, we try to do our best. Uh, the second email, we know the attacks on labor are negative sounding, but we need to know what is actually happening to us these days. Thank you for all for everything you're doing, TP in Florida. TP, uh, it's as indicated in our announcements today. It's a daily attack on labor, virtually every day, and you can tell who's in power and doing this to us. Okay, higher wages in this country give us greater velocity of money. That's how much money, how how much, and how fast it's running through our economy. That's the true measure of any economy. And it's not good. It's not good. Our velocity of money is down substantially. It fell right off the table. So we need more higher-wage jobs, to quote JFK, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, uh, in in response to all of these attacks on us. And these attacks are intended to stifle wages, suppress wages, and stifle our voice. This voice will continue to go on. We are committed to being here until change is achieved, not just within our union, but against companies and the government doing it to us. Thank you, TP, for your for your input uh, on your email. Very much appreciated. Uh, we have a quote. Just uh, picked one. It happens to be my favorite. Uh, you can't win the Kentucky Derby with a plow horse. Uh, lots of plow horses and a few race horses and those that can do and those that can't teach, as they say. Uh, okay, so uh, let's bring on the other co-hosts here. Uh, let me bring on, uh, we have Jeff on board here. Hello, Hello Jeff. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Let me bring David on. Very hot. Yeah, it's very hot. There's no doubt about that. I'll tell you what, I'm putting a lot of this stuff together today, and it's just just dripping off me. I don't know. So uh, here's David. Uh, hi, David. Hi, Leroy. How are you guys doing today? Other than sweating. <laughs> yeah, pretty hot. Yeah. Didn't turn yeah. the air on yet. Probably should have. I don't uh, have it. Okay. What else, David? I said I don't have air, so I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Jeff, I know you got a good report there. Some stuff's going on around your neck of the woods. You want to uh, jump out there and start with that? Yeah. Um, I've been reporting almost weekly the last few months now about local 3000 election. Well, we finally had it last Monday. Um, the administrative caucus took mostly a holy board. We have some run-ups tomorrow for trustees and e-board members at large. Um, during our, our election past week, we've had some great research done, and we found, and I remember, uh, who is holding the position and has held the position for at least two years, 
um, cannot hold his elected or appointed position because of Section 504 of the uh, Department of Labor because he was a convicted felon and he can be removed. It's also against our Constitution, UAW Constitution, and the law. All states that any convicted felon um, cannot hold a union position for 13 years after their release. Uh, in our case, it was just months after their release. We have notified the Department of Labor. We have notified Dennis Williams' office of this situation. And I finally got some feedback from Dennis Williams' office that they are looking into the matter. Uh, If they didn't, they are subject to a fine as well. Anybody knowingly uh, supporting a person uh, who is a convicted felon holding office be in trouble as well. Uh, you can find this on the Department of Labor's website. It's a fact sheet provision against any certain persons holding union office or employment. It's four, it's four pages long and it tells you what um, felonies are that keeps people from holding a position. It tells you almost everything you need to know. Um, they will get involved, the Department of Labor, and probably remove this person. And if our union leadership is smart, they would do it before the Department of Labor steps in. Um, very serious issue. I don't think any other local union has had this problem in the past, uh, not that I'm aware of, but we did find it. So we have the, probably the best research team for working for a living that anyone can have, and we did find this information on this person. So if there's any questions, I'll take them now, anyway. Yeah, yeah, Jeff. I, uh, I, think, uh, I think it's 13 years from the time that their sentence is finished. Is that correct? That's correct. Once they get out. Okay. I didn't know if you said that. They, they, they walk out. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> where do you start? Holy cow. Uh, so y- you had an appeal on a, on a separate issue beside the election. This was something where violence broke out in your union hall and somebody was struck or at least grazed, uh, certainly yes. intimidated, and, and punches were thrown. Okay, and this appeal mm-hmm. uh, was denied by the local union. They have the, the ability to do that. I'm not sure they were right, but they have the ability to do that. And then you made another appeal. You know, you forwarded that on to the uh, International Executive Board by and through the president of the International Executive Board. Uh, Dennis Williams, did you not do that? Yes, I did do that. Okay, and they signed for it. You got a green card back saying they signed for it on May 22nd? Correct, May 22nd. 
Okay, and um, you in, in 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 your your appeal to them, you added some information regarding the member in question that is a narcotics felon that served a full two years, did not get any good time. So, he, you know, uh, here in Michigan, if you are good in, in prison, you get a little good time off for good behavior. He served a full term, according to the, the uh, iChat. iChat reports only felonies. You're aware of that, right? Yes. Okay. They only report felonies. So this is a, a felony drug conviction. Uh, that was, I think he, the, the sentence finished sometime in May of 2015, as I recall. Correct. Okay. Correct. Now, the president of the International Union was the addressee for this and the International Executive Board, and that's who this, the second step appeal in the process, Article 31 process, that's how that goes, and Article 33 as well. Uh, goes up to the IEB, International Executive Board. Is that, that's correct, right? That's correct. Okay, and all of these members are Dennis Williams, the president, and Gary Castile, the, the treasurer, and, of course, uh, Jimmy Settles, the Ford, vice president of Ford Department, uh, and Norwood Jewell, the vice president of the Chrysler Department, and, of course, Cindy Estrada, Vice President of General Motors Department for the UAW, and all nine regional directors are part of the International Executive Board. Is that your understanding as well? All nine, so all fourteen of these people, yes. correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Now you and I, re we researched a little bit on our own, and we found that the charter that is given to a local union has reservations for the international, and one of those reservations is for recall. Isn't that, isn't that correct? That's correct. They can go in and remove the whole yeah, they, we, local board. You know, yeah, they could, they could recall about anybody, and that was part of your appeal. Is that correct? That's, yeah, that's correct, that went up yes. to the, Yeah, okay. So they have the authority under the charter to recall uh, people, you know, they have to do it for cause, okay? Right. Uh, and you've asked, you've asked that, you know, the, the members that made this decision for a, a variety of other reasons, we don't get too far off of the... Oh. Hello? I'm here. I don't know what happened to Leroy. Leroy must have dropped filed, off, didn't he? Yeah. Um, we filed in a, a charge against the Sergeant Arms and the local union president through the internal procedures following step by step. And our charges were read at the, uh, I believe the April... 2017 e-board meeting, local meeting, and they were denied. Um, I got many minutes, many minutes from that meeting. It doesn't say who made the motion or what the motion was concerning these charges. They just said it was denied due to 
uh, are the 33C, which has nothing to do with the charges we filed. Um, they were just caucus politics. They don't want to admit that they were wrong. Our May local meeting, I was planning on addressing the issue during the local meeting, but we didn't have enough people for a quorum. Uh, because those planes that I was there and the president and the executive board walked around and told it, all of the appointed and elected officials to leave the hall so they couldn't have a meeting. They knew I was going to bring this question up. Why did they screw up the charges that we filed? They didn't want the membership to know that I had filed charges. Um... So they got voters back in and tried very hard, campaigned hard against them. Uh, the president won re-election by 200 votes. It was very close. Um, so we're just trying to move on and do the right thing. The person who we are talking about with the felony charge has had a history in the plant of worker intimidation to the members while he is off on union business and that is not allowed. This is the first time in our history that we had any sergeant of arms get lost time. It just boggles the mind on the level these people are playing. It's just not right. But um, we are going to move forward with this. The Department of Labor has been notified. Um, so we're going to wait and see how things work out. Yeah, you just have to wait to see what the uh, results of that investigation will be. Yes, we are waiting. Um, I received a letter from the International Union on Thursday saying that they are going to investigate and get back with me. That's the last I heard. The Department of Labor was supposed to start their investigation last Friday, or last Monday, the day of the election. So we just got a couple of days before anything is going to be done. So hopefully sooner the better. I'm back, Dolan. Hey. <laughs> you did you did lose me. I'm not sure what happened. The phone just started beeping. I thought it was you, but so um not sure what you covered in my inter in my absence. I'm sorry about that. I apologize to lis- listeners. I mean just don't know what happened. The phone just dropped right off and it's fully charged and everything's working. I just kinda odd. I tried to call back in using the same phone, it didn't work, so a lot of funny stuff going on. We had our Facebook post went out tonight, and it was a little uh, crippled, if you will. So, uh, but uh, my my question, uh, Jeff, and just maybe you've already answered it, but so they they have the ability to recall. They've known for 21 days, and what have they done? They've just sent me a letter saying um, they are investigating. 
that they've received your uh, appeal and that they're investigating. Okay. Right. But they've, you know, they've known 21 days full well. They were given the all of the uh, iChat information, and they've done nothing, mm-hmm. not a thing. Uh, that's three weeks, folks, and they've allowed a felon to represent numbers for three weeks without acting. And uh, only, uh, I think that letter was dated Monday, June 5th, after our training yes. on the uh, last weekend uh, on this matter of Title 29 USC 504, which outlines uh, the prohibitions for holding union office and narcotics right. felon being one of them. Correct. Okay. Just want to be sure about all that. So uh, just, uh, just, just saying, folks. I'm not sure that, uh, you know, if working for a living team was in charge and somebody brought to our attention that there was a felon and we could easily con- confirm that, that that person would be holding office for very much longer and certainly not for three weeks. It brings into right. question the ability, the ability of the current administration to run this fine organization. Once again, we have a problem with them. Having yep. said that, David, do you have anything else for Jeff? I mean, you probably had a nice discussion in my absence. But. No, I don't have anything to add, Leroy. Um, okay. <laughs> I am curious to find out what the results of the uh, um, investigation Well. Well, bring. Um, yeah. So, we'll see. Pretty serious. This is pretty serious. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it carries with it some serious penalties too, doesn't it? Yes. Five K and ten years. Mhm. Yeah. It's ten ten K in five years. Yep. Ten K in five years. Five. Oh, it's ten K in five. Yep. Ten K in five years. Okay. Yep. So right I have here. that backwards. Yeah. yeah, I've posted all the information mm-hmm. on the for Living yeah. uh, Facebook page. The yeah, I saw that. That was a good post. Yeah. Okay. So, um, David, I mean, if there's any other questions, Jeff, do you have any more to add? No, no. I don't want to take too much time. Okay. Again. All right, well. We'll, we'll keep, do, keep a good heart, good, good, watchful eye out on what's going on down there at your local. I'll tell you, there's some stuff going on with the election itself. We don't want to get into that, but uh, lots of problems there as well. So, in addition to this uh, issue, months yeah. and months and months. Wow. Yeah. So, well, hang in there, brother, and uh, uh, we'll uh, get over to David now. David. Uh, I know you have an interesting report that, that really is uh, very close, near and dear to you. And uh, why don't you go ahead and start with that report? Um, before I start, Larry, I would like to um, clarify something um, in the uh, announcements you spoke about. Um, okay. The Labor Relations Board um, upholding that workers can record in their place of employment. Um, 
is it that workers may record conversations between their supervisors and themselves as long as they're part and parcel to that conversation? I don't believe that members can eavesdrop and record other members. That's correct. You may not eavesdrop. That's, I mean, of course, that's Michigan law. This deals with, uh, and I want to be real clear about this, okay? Under, under the circumstances for uh, Section 7 of the NLRA, which protects employees engaging in concerted activity for mutual aid and protection, okay? And this decision was in the negative, okay? It banned corporate prohibition of recording devices. So they can't ban you from using a recording device. In the, re in the workplace, to, this is the decision, to, in the workplace to record conversations, at events, etc. Okay? So uh, while you may not eavesdrop, if you are a first person in the conversation, uh, you uh, may record the conversation according to this uh, NLRB ruling. And it's available. People can go look at it. But uh, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty much on our side. We're, like, we're happy to see this, actually. Um, obviously, inside the plant, regarding product and stuff like that, uh, that's not open season. I don't want to give anybody any false hopes there about trying to record product and stuff. This is for your employment purposes, concerted activity only. Does that clarify yeah, that? Thanks for that clarification. Yeah, thanks for the clarification. I wanted to make sure that all members understood that they can't record each other or eavesdrop on each other. Um, right. Right. That this is against management. Thing. Yeah, this would be. Yeah, this isn't. This isn't between one another. This is uh, against the corporation for the purposes of concerted activity. Again, that is for their mutual aid and protection. Okay. So well, when you're at your 76A interview, you can record. It sure does appear to be, huh? Yes, sir. Okay. This is a pretty, uh, pretty good uh, decision by them. Uh, uh, let's see if I have the decision number here. Uh, I think I do. Decision number uh, 87, 87, uh, three, three, six, three, NLRB number 87. Filed originally in nineteen and 2015, and this was a Monday, June 5th, uh, 2017 uh, article. Okay, so it's not old news. This is something new. Okay, again, this is very narrow in the sense that it's only when you're doing it for concerted, uh, protected concerted, concerted activity. Okay, mutual aid and and. Mutual aid of your brothers and sisters in the plant 
and for your protection. Okay? That's against the company, not against each other and not about product disclosure, none of that stuff. Okay? I hope everybody understands that. If you have any questions, send them in, and we'll uh, try and clarify further if you need me. All right. Again, our email is working for a living at working for a living. Having said that, David, you want to get on with your report? Sure, Larry. Um, let's lay some foundation. Um, Go ahead. Local um, 182. What was it? Um, local 182 was an amalgamated local union of all the workers in Lansing. Um, how it came to be, um, in 1934, the Lansing auto workers seceded from the AFL. Um, this is the same time frame. Um, I won't get into a whole bunch about Samuel Gompers, but um, he was the president of the AFL. And John Lewis um, didn't see much value in uh, Gompers, and he um, basically was a conservative who believed in working within the capitalist system. And he also um, didn't see value in um, skilled labor. So this 1934 period, um, I believe, is about the time when John Lewis um, split the AFL into the AFL-CIO from within. Um, at that time, the Lansing Auto Workers seceded from the AFL. And in October of 1936, 50 workers in the Lansing Stamping, real, real motor car, and Oldsmobile plants amalgamated until 182. Um, that's how they became um, um, a local. And um, in 1939, um, separate charters were given to Rio, who became local 650, um, I believe the same year, um, 652 was granted a charter, and possibly 602. I'm not sure about 602. Okay, so that's some foundation about local 182 and exactly what what it was and how it came to be. Um, who was Lester Ivan Washburn? He was born May 27, 1906, in Pelston County, Michigan. He was a union organizer, and he was also the regional director of the United Auto Workers AFL-CIO. Um, so that's some uh, information on who Lester was and what he did. Okay. Um, 1937 was a very interesting year. Um, it saw the uh, sit-down strike settled February 11th of that year. Um, and that would uh, that equated to a 25-cent raise for um, Lansing GM auto workers as well. Um, another figure... Um, in history, who was quite significant, was Governor Murphy. Um, Governor Murphy was a former child factory worker himself, so he was sympathetic to labor, and he actually mediated the settlement. 
in the Flint sit-down strength. Um, so, um, two years prior to 1937, um, the National Labor Relations Act was um, made a fed that was a federal law. Um, we know it as the Wagner Act. Um, this gave uh, union leaders the opportunity to make the statement that Roosevelt wants you to join a union. So there was a lot of organizing going on at this period of time. Um, after the uh, sit-down strike in Flint, um, Alfred P. Sloan, um, the president of GM, he didn't like all the pomp and circumstance and excitement um, of that great win in Flint. And he began running full-page ads in the Lansing State Journal. Um, they basic, He was basically saying, have no fear that any union or any labor dictator will dominate the plants of the GM Corporation. And these were signed by him. One month later, in March, um, on the 10th, Real Motor Car Company in South Lansing um, had a sit-down strike involving 1,500 to 2,000 workers, 90% of their plant. Um, this um, was pretty much a peaceful strike. Um, and again, um, Governor Murphy stepped in and... Um, he settled that strike. So, um, again, he would, you know, had his name there. So, then uh, in April of uh, 1937, 19 of 25 employees who worked for Capital City Wrecking Company, came into the UIW local 182 hall. They organized and elected offices. Um, the very next day, um, on April 26th, the company fired all six of the officers. Um, that's what began this issue for the, for the holiday which was basically a um, uh, general strike for all the workers in Lansing. Um, Washburn tried to negotiate a new contract and get the workers rehired, but he didn't succeed. So um, they struck on May 21st. Um, they had um, about 100 union members picketing with the workers setting up a tent um, they were in defiance of a court injunction granted by um, the courts to stop interfering with private property. And they were still continuing to picket in defiance of the court order on Friday, June 3rd. Um, that put a lot of pressure on Ingham County Sheriff Alan McDonald to enforce the order. Um, the way he intend, the way that he decided to um, enforce that order, at two o'clock in the morning on Monday, June seventh, McDonald and his deputies pulled eight sleeping picketers 
um, from their from their homes, including Lester Washburn's wife. Um, when he came back from Detroit around 2.30 in the morning, he found his wife gone and his children unattended, and the telephone wire to his home had been cut. Um, so later um, in the day, um, he reached out to um, the chairman of Oldsmobile, Fisher Body, Real Motor Wheel, Lansing Stamping, um, and they decided to call it one-day holiday. And there was also what was known as the Flying Squadron. I believe the Flying Squadron was um, a group of some several local unions that were um, organized by the CIO. And their purpose was to support and um, any picket line that was trying to be suppressed by law enforcement. So there was a big presence of the Flying Squadron in Lansing that day. Um, they blocked off uh, city streets um, using automobiles. By the way, that that strike was the first time that automobiles were ever used to um, block off streets and used in a strike action. So that's kind of significant because a strike always has a burning car out front. Well, that's where it came from. <laughs> However, there were no burning cars that day. They just used them. Um, they closed up all the businesses in Lansing, um, with the exception that they didn't close any of the local um, taverns and bars. Those were all left open for the people to um, uh, come in and have a drink or whatever. So um, later in the afternoon, um, again, Governor Murphy came in and he had... Um, I believe it was um, all eight released from jail, and they began to negotiate. And then things began to wind down, you know, in, in the city of Lansing. And uh, they were um, also the Flying Squadron um, moving into East Lansing. Um, that didn't work out so good for them. Uh, when they got to East Lansing, they found themselves uh, confronted by MSU students who um, turned them away. Some vehicles were actually lifted and picked up. And uh, there was, in, on the first attempt, um, MSU students threw um, uh, members of the Flying Squadron into the Red Cedar River. And there was a second attempt. Um, the second attempt didn't uh, pan out as well, and more members ended up in the Red Cedar River. So that pretty much um, rounded out the day um, for that one day. Um, that was a peaceful strike. Um, there were no head bashing. Um, uh, tear gas or any of those kind of things. 
Um, so the Lansing Holiday Strike is a, a really good representation of peaceful protest. And it speaks for itself. Um, it was um, very effective, and they achieved what they wanted. So that's about all I have on that. Um, my Jeff father and Jeff, my grandfather did participate in uh, that one-day holiday. My father hired him to uh, Oldsmobile in 1936, and I'm not sure my grandfather's hire date, but I know it was in the early um, 1900s. He came to work for Olds Motor Works in Lansing. Um, after the fire destroyed um, Ransom Hall's factory in Detroit. Um, That's how my dad um, was hired into GM in 1936 through his father. Um, So my dad spoke to me sometimes about this strike and what he saw that day. And... um, so, you know, this is always on my mind, the strike. And I appreciate having the opportunity to report on it. But that's about all I have on it, Leroy. Okay. Uh, uh, Jeff, do you have any uh, comments or questions? No, that's a lot, a lot of great history that people have learned. Um, especially for our younger workers inside these plants. We need to learn our past so they can continue to move forward and not backwards. It, it is a struggle. And they need to learn how to conduct themselves properly. So good job, Dave. Thank you. Good job, Dave. Um, you know, this is, like Jeff said, this isn't this was never easy. Getting the benefits and the wages that have uh come to be and now are being suppressed and have been suppressed for some time now. It was it was not easy. Nothing was gained without some sort of a strike. Down strike, you know, the uh general strike that David just reported up reported on. They called that the Battle of East Lansing. <laughs> Interestingly enough, it just turned some cars around, threw some guys in the river. They called that a battle somehow in the newspaper reporting. But uh, it's it's never been easy. There was a, a photo posted about the Battle of Monroe, which was the day after that. And there were a picture, there was one of the pictures on the page that had uh, eight or nine guys standing there with shotguns in a line. These weren't police. These were regular guys, workers, members, standing there to hold the line. And they weren't fooling around. They were willing to give their life for what they believed in. Nobody's asking anybody to die, but we sure are asking you for some support to try and turn this ship around. This has got to stop. These daily attacks on working men and women, union and non-union, got to stop. 
we need people in office like Governor Murphy. You know, most of you know that I hired in at Chevrolet Flint Manufacturing where the sit-down strike, the very building, actually, where the sit-down strikes began. My first job station was about 70 feet to the northwest of the current placard, the Michigan Historic Placard, memorializing the sit-down strikes. I worked with the sit-down. Governor Murphy was a friend and and spoken highly of by all of those men. He was a good guy. You know, people probably would have died had we not had the right governor in place. For those of you who think politics don't matter, and, oh, you can be this and you can be that, you know, the bread boxes. Definitely connected to the ballot box. Walter Ruther said that. Unfortunately, Governor Murphy was ousted. He didn't. He stood for re-election and was not successful. And Governor Fitzgerald from the Grand Ledge, Michigan area, just west of Lansing, became governor and attorney. And things were very different under Governor Fitzgerald. We did not get such deference from the office of the governor under Governor Fitzgerald. And he's one that had an R next to his name. And Governor Murphy had a D next to his name. So just saying, folks, we try not to be too political here, but I'm going to tell you, we're getting our ass kicked. Every day. Every day. This has never been an easy fight to try and get, keep, and maintain the benefits and wages for the membership. And some people forgot where they came from. Some people forgot where they came from. They're leading this union now. So, uh, having said that, uh, if there's nothing else on this issue, I'll get on to my own report. I want to report a little bit on two topics tonight. One is Janice versus Ask Me. Ask Me is, a, is another union, for those of you that may or may not know. It's likely the largest union in our United States. And this uh, Mark Janice filed a lawsuit saying that he didn't want to pay union dues. And he opposed the forced agency fees on his public service job. I mean, the government job. And this has gone through the appellate court, I think the Seventh Circuit, And this has now been on Monday, uh, the 5th. It was uh, the 6th, I'm sorry, 6th on Tuesday. uh, Filed uh, at the Supreme Court researchary, and it's expected to be heard this fall. 
the decisions so that you know decisions by the Supreme Court are and what they'll hear are made at the end of the month of June. So from now until the end of the month of June, they'll make decisions on what they're going to take up in the next cycle for the Supreme Court. And that will be uh, start in September. And you'll see those ongoing through the fall. And then the write-ups come, and you'll start seeing those in the spring of the year as they uh, digest all of that that they've heard. Uh, this case is another step to end unionism. If asked me, which represents a lot of, uh, we call them tops, technical officers and professional workers, uh, but these are mostly governmental jobs and universities, et cetera, that they, the staff that they represent. If they lose the ability to have agency dues taken from such members, that will end their unionism. They'll have a union in name with no money behind it. This is an important case. It's now going to be heard by a majority of Republican appointees at the Supreme Court beholden to that ideology. We've already seen what that's done since January to the working effort, working in labor effort. So when you sit down at night, look yourself in the mirrors, you shave or wash your face, or in the morning, you need to start thinking about what you're doing. Because this is not good. It will do nothing but suppress wages even further. We don't know what's going to be the decision of the Supreme Court. It will decimate the union, one of the, if not the, one of the largest unions in the nation. Oh, by the way, oh, by the way, those of you listening in the public sector tonight, local 6,000 with, uh, what, 17,000 members, arguably, state workers for the state of Michigan, it, it affects you. And you can say you don't want to work for you. Union. I'll tell you my experience. I was working in the warehouse, the recording secretary. I was a working recording secretary. I wasn't in a big local where they all get their uh, staff wages minus 500 bucks. That's another subject. However, uh, I, when I left, I usually walked through the plant and talked to, you know, the key people. And one of the fellows, trustee at the time, later vice president of our local, decent fellow, big tall guy, 
He says, man, it's good to see you. I said, why? So-and-so over here has been giving me a tough time. He said he wants to work for General Motors without a union. I says, oh, where's where's he at? I called him over. I understand you want to work for General Motors without a union. Now, this was in the early 90s. And plants in Mexico were not down in the southern corridor of Mexico. They were on the border called Maquilladoras. I says, well, let me just tell you this. You want to work for General Motors without a union? I'll help. I'll do everything in my power to see to it that you get that. You can go down to Maquilladoras. We'll help you fill out an application if you're so disposed to get to the Maquilladoras. And by the way, they're paying 35 cents an hour without a union down there. Well, the brother shut up. Didn't want nothing nothing more to say. He wasn't about to go take me up on my offer and go to the Maquilladoras working for General Motors without a union for 35 cents an hour when he's making... 17 or 18 at the time, which was decent money. All of a sudden, had an epiphany. The unions truly are good. And, of course, my friend says, where have you been all night? I've been listening to this all night. I said, well, you know, now you know how to handle someone when they have that attitude. You just tell them you'll account, you'll do everything in your power to satisfy them, but you're not going to like what you ask for. So this is the same thing. People that sit around saying, I want to work for my company without a union. I want to work for my government job without a union. Believe me, the alternative to unionism, look around you at the 9 10 11 and $12 jobs. And it's sad to say that we got some of those inside the UAW. It, that, that, that actually is the case. But having said that, if you're in a government job, making an eighteen, twenty dollars an hour, thirty-six to forty thousand dollars a year, and you think you don't want to have a union, you better look yourself in the face in the morning when you're washing your face and really rethink your, your wisdom. Mark Janice might get what he wants. And he will go down in history as someone that helped destroy the wages of this great country. So those of you that stand up seeking your fame or legacy, your legacy might not turn out to be exactly and specifically what you think it should be. 
enough about Ask Me and, and Jan, Mark Janice and all of the ramifications of thinking that you don't want to have a union in your workplace. Let me just address now the temporary situation. We're at the apex of the economic cycle. Everybody should take heed of what I just said. We're at the apex of the economic cycle. And at or near the apex of the economic cycle, our leadership didn't get clawback. In fact, they gave things away. We didn't get anything back. We gave, sure as hell gave up at the bottom side the last time around. <coughs> but now we have nothing to, sh to show for the good times. And this temporary situation, you know, I was told this past week that a plant has one of the plants has uh, had two D rates already, and there remains 300 temporaries in the plant. Some have already been laid off, a couple hundred, and they're expecting that these 300 are going to get laid off yet. The people in power of this UAW right now have subverted this agreement. Things that were fought, hard fought for and were strikeable issues and actual strikes took place to get them have been given away with very creative language in the agreement. I'm talking about the supplemental unemployment benefit. Anybody that actually worked for a living knows how important that supplemental unemployment benefit is. And to give it away by and through creative language in the agreement is unconscionable. I had 12 years and got laid off for a little over two years. Fourteen and a half years. I wrote an article about this that helped us all get back to work. Four, because they jumped us on seniority. And, and that was in 1983, in July. I have the article somewhere. I'll post it. And I was laid off two and a half years. Supplemental unemployment benefits kicked in and they stayed for somebody with my seniority for basically the whole time. The last, I think the last six months I didn't get hardly anything. But those supplemental unemployment benefits mattered. The extensions of unemployment mattered. People's lives are at risk and at stake based on going to work for a first-tier major corporation and having a safety net should there be downturns in the, in the marketplace. 
Mary Barra spoke of it several times in her presentation. Ford's already announcing they want to give $15,000 or 15,000 salary people opportunity for buyout. They know this is coming, the downturn. But those who need it most, those young workers, single mothers, single fathers, young couples with children, those who need it most are temporary. And as a temporary worker, they don't get supplemental unemployment benefits. These benefits were supposed to be for those most likely to get laid off. It was a safety net. And now we have turned temporaries into permanent positions. And as such, they're not going to be getting supplemental unemployment benefits, which gets you 95% of your normal wages. If we had people that actually worked for a living in leadership, this would not have occurred. I can't tell you how angry I am at this time to watch thousands of people get laid off in the coming months and in the past few months with no supplemental unemployment benefit because of the way they've structured the seniority structure. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I don't know how you look yourself in the face in the morning. You're despicable human beings. They have no business ever representing a soul. And that is why working for a living exists. Don't you ever forget it. You need to go away. You're despicable. A whole lot of you. Including the one that said he'd rather see scabs in the plant than to help a sister local union out. You know who you are. You're right close to Dennis Williams, aren't you? Yeah, you didn't think I knew that one. That's the kind of people we got to lead in our union. So enough of my report on on Janice versus ask me and about our temporary situation and how these poor people are going to be disabused by the leadership of this union, giving stuff away and not getting it back at the apex of our economic cycle. We should have got something back. All right. Uh, Jeff, you got any questions or comments? No, you get it right on the money. Um, if these, these companies really want to have other people, the vendors, our vendors, coming into the plants and installing their products into our cars, that's their goal. And we need to keep that from happening. A lot of people may not realize it, hmm. but Ford actually has a plant in Brazil where the vendors like Jossie Control, some of the other big ones they have, are inside that plant in Brazil installing their seats, their air conditioning units, and not, there's no Ford workers, vendors. And that's what these companies want. These young people need to 
like I said, learn and fight back. They are coming. That's all I got, Leroy. Okay. Thank you, Jeff, for those comments. Uh, David? Um, I think you hit it right on the head, Leroy, when you said that leadership that's never worked a day in, in their lives. Um, it's my understanding that um, DAW intends to um, anoint Cindy Estrada as the next president of UAW. Uh, um, there will be opposition to that, as we all know. Um, she actually, that is my understanding, never actually held any position in a factory in the UAW. Um, so there, she has no plans in the anywhere. What a power grab that would be for a DOAW to elect the delegates to elect a leader. Never worked a day on an assembly line anywhere. Has no seniority, plant seniority anywhere. That would be a huge power grab at age 48 years old under caucus rules, Ruther caucus rules, that don't apply to other caucuses. She could sit till she was 65 years old. I might add, she never suffered the the injury of a long-term layoff either. No. Or been on strike. She doesn't know what four is. Or been on strike. Let me tell you something. When you drive by McDonald's, and French fries are 15 cents. And you don't have 15 cents to buy a pack of French fries for you and your kids. That'll make a different person out of you in a hurry. I'm not the only one who those words come out of their mouth. Ruben Burke's son said the exact same words to me. A very good friend of mine. Ruben Burke was my regional director, assistant regional director at the time that his son said that, later as regional director, and ascended to treasurer of our great union. A good union man who worked for a living and understands what I'm saying. He may have to be beholding to someone else. But I'm going to tell you, he understands exactly what I'm saying. So, with that said, uh, let's wrap up the show. Uh, <laughs> I... I got to tell you, folks, uh, you, you got to look yourself in the, in the, in the mirror. Uh, and decide whether you, what side you're on. What side are you on? Including the delegates. Yep. Including the delegates. And you got to stand up. you got to have a little backbone. Now, we're giving you the information. Now it's up to you to take it. Uh, okay. Uh, our email address is working for a living at working for a living. You can come and 
say anything you want there, and we'll try and get it on the air for you. Uh, follow us on Blog Talk Radio. We're syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, workingforaliving.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Player FM. Um, if you found value in this show, even though it seems to be awful negative these days, tell just one other person. Just, just listening to the announcements is worth its weight in, in, in gold for some people. Uh, the, uh, uh, everybody around the, the globe that's listening, by the way, we don't have anybody in Russia listening, but we do have some in Norway. But uh, appreciate everybody listening to the show. Much appreciated. Uh, everybody around the United States, everybody in Canada and Mexico that listening, we, we appreciate your your listeners. Uh, having said all of that, uh, good night. Stay safe. Have a wonderful coming week. And uh, good night to the listeners, and good night, David and Jeff. Have a good one. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night, guys. Good night.